Poetry Dose. Welcome to episode 6. Today we have poems from Catherine Pierce. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about her, as usual, at the end of the readings. But until then, uh, let's just sit back and relax and get right into it here. Catherine's first poem is entitled... Beach Town. You've come for absolution but the beach town has more pressing matters to attend to. The beach town is busy playing journey from pink-lit cantinas, busy scattering stars haphazard. You've come for answers, but the beach town is absorbed in perfecting the racket of skee-ball, that old wooden clack and slam, and can't be distracted. It's brutal the way the beach town won't cooperate. Everything here is ripe for construing, Your parents did ride these same carousel horses. The dragon kite is dipping in a most interpretable way. But then the beach town interrupts the shoreline with a dump truck and a dead flounder. And what do you do with that? Haven't you earned a sunset that reads as redemption? Haven't you earned driftwood curved like a Y for yes? You want the wind to be a firm hand on your shoulder. You want the biplanes dragging ads for all-you-can-eat crabs to mean your life will be a bounty of plenty, the found pink scallop shell your trophy for wisest choices. But the beach town, sorry, is not in the business of metaphor. The biplane is a biplane, the shell is a shell. You stand on the sand in early evening, the sky shading to violet, the gulls screeching over their pilfered french fries. At your feet is a translucent whelk egg case, a cigarette butt. The metal detector man wands the shoreline. Behind you, midway bells ring and ring as the calliope song arcs into the humidity. Come on, you say, just give me something. This poem is from my book, The Tornado is the World, and it was first published in Crab Orchard Review. It went through more revisions than most poems that I've written, and I revise a lot. Um, The background for the poem is that I spend a lot of time in Rehoboth, Delaware, which is a beach town. My parents grew up there, and I go back with my own family every summer. So the imagery of that place is really seared into my brain. I love that place, and it finds its way into my poems periodically. But in writing this particular poem, I was trying to reconcile my love for this place with my awareness that the place itself, even with all its magic and nostalgia, doesn't care about me, or anyone else for that matter. The idea that any metaphor I was seeing here, I was creating myself, I was bringing to it myself. There's this pressure that we put on vacations and on vacation places, I think. This sense that when we travel somewhere new, we're supposed to come out of it reinvented somehow, reinvigorated. Like we should be emerging with our problems solved, with epiphanies having been reached. If we go in with some sort of thing we're weighing or trying to decide, the idea that being in this new vacation place should help us make that decision or change in some way that we feel we need to change. And that's a ton of pressure to put on a long weekend or on a week's vacation or even a month in some amazing place or even on a year. It's not a thing that can happen in sort of a specified amount of time when that pressure is being put on it. So I worked on this poem 
for a month or so before I finally realized that tension that was coming out of thinking about um, a vacation place, a place where one goes to vacation. It was that pull between wanting a place to offer revelation and that place wanting nothing to do with it. And I realized that that tension was really what that poem was about. Once I figured that out, I was able to give the poem a stronger voice. And I was also able to think about the best way to actually use all of those images that I'd been carrying around for decades. And older versions of this poem had a lot of the same images in there, but they were just kind of tossed around. They weren't really used to any particular effect. So once I kind of figured out the hook for the poem, I was able to structure it in a way that I thought worked. The ending also changed a whole bunch of times. And really, it changed right up until my book came out, right up until the, the final version of the manuscript that I sent off to Saturnalia. Um, the poem had ended, and there are a lot of different endings, but it had ended, the version that got published originally ended with this idea of the beach town saying directly to the, the you of the poem, look, here is what I have for you. It's everything. And the beach town was offering up things like cigarette butts and metal detectors, but also, you know, some images of beauty. And that ending was, it just always felt not quite right. It always felt a little too on the nose. So when I finally was getting the final revisions done, I realized what I wanted to do was just to let that idea be implied and to trust the poem to do that work. And so I did that and I pulled it back a little bit and I was finally happy with how it turned out that it went through probably 30 drafts before it ended up where it is now. Hey everybody. Uh, now we're going to do that part of the show where we get a reading from our poet that resonated with them as a young kid and for this Catherine picked uh, an E.E. E. Cummings poem called Since Feeling is First by E.E. E. Cummings Since feeling is first who pays any attention to the syntax of things will never wholly kiss you wholly to be a fool while spring is in the world my blood approves and kisses are a better fate than wisdom. Lady, I swear by all flowers. Don't cry. The best gesture of my brain is less than your eyelids flutter, which says we are for each other. Then laugh, leaning back in my arms, for life's not a paragraph, and death, I think, is no parenthesis. When I was about 15 years old, I spent a month or two of high school eating my brown bag lunch in the war aisle of the library. There was a guy who had been bothering me, and I wanted to avoid him. So rather than go to the cafeteria for lunch with everybody else, I would just sneak into the library. And I would hide in the war aisle because it was the most remote place in the library. It was upstairs, and it was in the way back. And I would sit on the floor, and I would eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and read from the library's enormous volume of E.E. E. Cummings. I devoured that book. I would read from it every day for a couple of months, and I was so completely in love with those poems. They were so strange, and they were beautiful, 
and I just love the way they seem to tap into all these things that I was newly feeling and newly experiencing. This one was my favorite for how unabashedly romantic it was, but also for how it underscored that softness with a reminder that none of us would be living forever. I also really loved puzzling over the syntax of it, and I also felt very proud of myself for recognizing that self-reflexive move in that opening stanza where people who are puzzling over syntax kind of get taken to task. This was the first poem that I memorized without a school assignment. I just read it over and over, and then one day I realized that it was just there. It was like a song I could call up at will. Eventually, um, the librarian caught me sneaking my lunch in the library, and she told me I couldn't eat there anymore because mice might be attracted to the crumbs. She was very nice about it, and she told me that I was welcome to come there during lunch all I wanted, I just couldn't eat there. And so eventually hunger won out, and I went back to the cafeteria. But those, those secret minutes every day, reading these poems in the war aisle, were absolutely formative for me. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to Catherine Pierce for for participating. Um, I want to let you all know that Catherine is an author, and she's got a couple books out. Uh, the Tornado is the World, The Girls of Peculiar, and Famous Last Words, and those are all from Saturnalia Books. Um, Catherine's poems have appeared in The Best American Poetry, Boston Review, the Southern Review, Plowshares, Field, and more. Uh, she's the co-director of the creative writing program at Mississippi State University. Next week, we have a really cool back-to-school episode for you. Something a little bit different, out of the norm. So, until then... Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, drop us a line at poetrydose at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.